You are listening to an exclusive on PodHub Network. Your city, your podcast. To the delight of this crowd, McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. Wow. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to WNS9 Plus. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we have, as always, Jim. We got Tyler. And we have a special guest tonight. We got Alex Stump from... DK Pittsburgh Sports. What's up, Alex? Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been long enough. It took long enough for me to it finally has. get the invite here. Come on. I mean, oh, you no, got the invite long hold, ago. Hold on. Yeah, you got an invite one time before. And then no yeah. Trevor Cahill signs <laughs> so he can make nine terrible starts. And then, and then it's like, well, no. Can't believe Alex prioritized a Trevor Cahill signing over us. Yeah, Get really. What was what was more valuable there? An NS9 appearance or Trevor Cahill to the Pirates? Someone's laptop died. I remember that one also. It was probably that the Nardo. I don't recall that at all. That, that sounds yeah. quite fake. Yeah. It was the right. Nardo. I, I, missed, I missed it anyways. I don't know what I was doing. So nope, it was the Nardo. Signing. Yeah, that was a very poor, like, this is a terrible night all around. Because you are right. Jim couldn't make it for whatever reason. Yeah. My Mac, that was actually the last show I did on that Mac ever. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't do the show because it failed. Uh, and then Alex left us because Trevor Cahill decided to sign and become a pirate for a little bit of time. So, yeah, that was that was great. But, I mean, yeah, like, you're wondering why well, I was on last back. I mean, you ditched us for Trevor Cahill. So, you got to pay okay. your dues to come back That's- on here. I, I can see how that's an ego boost or an ego bruise. The other <laughs> side. That would hurt. That I wasn't hurt. part of it, but but I was I was hurt as well. Jim took the greatest offense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for certain. Uh, no, thanks for thanks for hopping on. I said glad glad you could could join us because I don't think we I mean, you've never been on here since since I've been a part of this. So this is like the first time I've ever gotten to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, happy to be on. Excited to finally tie Noah all time on guest appearances here. I know the last time I the last time I saw Alex, he did not have that haircut. It was much longer. Yeah, it was a little worse, I guess. He was going. He was going a little Fabio on us. What was the COVID? You know, no one cut their hair during. No, this was beyond COVID. Yeah, this was. I had the COVID hair. No, he just. And then I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm taking a second lap with it. Like, that was the. <laughs> yeah. He's I'm, I'm, I'm truly disappointed what... that it's gone. I was. It might be coming back. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I buzzed it last time and haven't touched it since. And it's starting to come back. It's coming in grayer, getting old. <laughs> I got my Watching hair too much today. Pirates baseball. Watching Pirates baseball all day, every day, will do that to someone. Yes. Alex, I don't know how much older than than me you are. I got my haircut today. 
Morgan half for a reason. The amount of grays I was picking out of my little apron right there was embarrassing. We're old. This yeah. is the second oldest baseball podcast in Belgium or something. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. I mean, it probably it could also be the youngest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Second oldest and the youngest. Yeah. There we go. We're the only. Could possibly be the only. Right. Yeah, we're just we're just number two because some random podcast has baseball in their title, so they became number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie podcast that a baseball movie they're talking about. There's probably like one. There's probably one person in Belgium who like accidentally clicked on our podcast <laughs> and it registered. It's like, oh, bam, number two podcast. <laughs> there's one. There's one podcast out there that was just ranking movies and adding money or a uh, uh, major league back in the day, and we're still behind them. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so welcome to the number two baseball podcast in Belgium. Um, we're here to grow your brand as well. So <laughs> they'll all follow you. <laughs> you know, we're big time. We got connects there. So <laughs> we'll help you grow up there, Alex. But um, good, good. Maybe I could get on the CBA leak list after this boost. Let's, let's get it. Yeah. There you go. Although I can provide you with some leaks, nothing Hit happened. Me. No. Well, thanks for nothing. Yeah, there were there were some talks. They went out in in some hallways and <laughs> took breaks, and that's about it. What did they drive in? A Porsche. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, we know what what Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer drove in, but we don't know what anybody else drove in. That's right. I think the yeah. owners all hitchhiked, and or they took one of those uh, like rideshare scooters. I'm just imagining Dick Manfort just being out there scootering his way to the negotiations <laughs> trying to Absolutely. give the Colonels 50 more million dollars <laughs> think of that Uber share right yeah yeah. yeah. 4.8 stars right there baby Yeah. Bob Nutting actually made the pirate parrot carry him to the negotiations he flew in on the parrot <laughs> See, I didn't even think of a fly whenever Jim said that. I thought, like, you know, carrying in his arm, like he's <laughs> taking him away from a battlefield running. <laughs> I feel like that would be better. Just carrying, just walking and carrying him. Yeah. Oh, man. man. Yeah, because, you know, those owners, they have no money. They can't afford no. to pay anyone. No, it's, it's yeah. really a tragic story, actually. No yeah. planning over to make sure which you know guys who make the minimum if it's ten thousand dollars or only five thousand dollars raise they get right there i mean come on come on the the guggenheims have you know presumably some mouths to feed yeah they gotta feed their families alex yeah it's very inconsiderate if there was only something that had like a ceiling of how much they could spend (laughs) Mm. that just really floors me because they don't (laughs) Ah. <laughs> so we ever get into a show <laughs> we are actually so i actually do. Oh, you put a cap to that <laughs> i actually do have something very serious to ask alex right now all right i read your uh question and answers on dk 
And at one point, you mentioned that if Mason Martin would have a 300 on base percentage, he would be good. And I could not disagree with you more. And I just want to call you out on your little affection for Mason Martin right now because I don't like him. Elaborate, elaborate, go. Strikes out too much. He does. That's literally all it takes. He's there is not another major league. Well, there's a couple. There are but not at his no, 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 no. Not at the level he's playing at. There are not there are two off from what we've gathered, there are two major leaguers that struck out at the rate that Mason Martin has in the minor leagues. And walk, well, maybe one Javi Baez that have walked as few times as he has and has been successful in the major leagues. So I would like to know why you think Mason Martin could be a good major league baseball player. I, I'm not going to at all argue about the strikeouts because that is the whole point with him. If he does need to cut down on strikeouts. Everyone will say it. He will say it. No way around it. He needs to find a way to get on base more. That said, I think he's done a pretty good job trying to because i wasn't really high on mason martin during the season but off-season mason martin i'm kind of changing my tune a little bit because he's really working on trying to make good uh two strike decisions trying to identify pitches more they do the uh the goggles the beer goggles where it just turns off yeah the oculus yes they turn it off he's doing real well there and that drill that I described in that story Monday where they have the two pitching machines, the one that's really close by there, I saw a lot of people, a lot of hitters, swing out of their shoes trying to make contact with breaking stuff. He didn't whiff on anything. And I know that's just one drill, and it's a drill that's not exactly what you would expect, you know, or maybe it doesn't even translate to game situations that well. I'm seeing strides with his swing and miss. Not to the point that, you know, he's going to have a 15% strikeout rate or whatever, but a step. He, he's got power. There's absolutely no denying that. He's just got to find a way to cut down on strikeouts, get on base more, because I feel like you could drop him into a major league lineup today. And if he got a full season worth of at-bats, he would have hit 20 homers, 30 doubles. It's the Would he also have a 170 OPP? Because that's not good enough. But you brought up yeah. two really large points there about he's got to learn to strike out less and walk more. Those are not easy things to do and oh, not no, things not. that people just learn to do. No, I just need to be a foot taller and learn how to shoot a basketball and I'm in the NBA. I mean, I, I get that also. But I think mm, where he's... Will you, though? Maybe. <laughs> <I'm just messing. laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I you still like might this. be a point guard these days. <laughs> I'd be like 6'10". How many 6'10 point guards are there, Jim? I'm not Jim. Donardo? Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing? He can't shoot, though. So if, if Alex can shoot, he's already better. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's two really big parts. I don't even necessarily blame the Pirates for not rostering him because he's going to play first base. And there is no – he could play corner outfield or anything. He is very much a first baseman or DH who strikes out a ton. But – there's a lot of power there, and that might be undervalued a little bit still in today's game. So, I don't know. I, I think he's the guy in this camp that a couple days down here, I take a look at it's like, you know, you're not quite the guy I remember in Altoona last year. You look like you took a step. Um, have you seen, like, have they gotten to 
like intra squad type scrimmage situations yet? Are they still just kind of in drills and BP? We're still and- drills, some live BP every once in a while. So you get to see Nick Gonzalez, who's not 100%, you know, ready yet, get have Blake Wyman throw a couple fastballs by and you're like, okay, so how much of that is on Nick Gonzalez not, you know, being up to speed yet? How much of that is on, oh my God, Nick Gonzalez, well, not Nick Gonzalez, Blake Wyman just blew a couple fastballs. Do do we have a stat cast reading, a trackman reading on what's going on here? It's very much drills, just trying to get a glimpse of how everyone's looking right now. I'm hoping I get to see a little intra-squad before I leave. Um, I don't know if I asked you this too, but they're, they're basically spring training games not going to happen. Probably right. not. I mean, I, I've asked around and I haven't heard yeah. anything that's at least, oh yeah, we have a game going on here. So if they are going to happen, I, they're probably not scheduled right now. Gotcha. Did you mention in your uh, chat minor league scrimmages possibly? I don't know uh, if I read that wrong. No, it, it, it could happen. I mean, if, if it was uh, like instructs, they have the scrimmages. Mm-hmm. So if it's just that, I don't know why they couldn't call up Baltimore and be like, hey, Sarasota's 20 minutes away. Let's just, you know, play a couple games together. There could be something like that. But I don't think there's anything actually planned at the moment or at least scheduled. The reason I, yeah, the reason I asked that is just with the rule five potentially coming up is other teams getting a look at some of the guys and what could happen, but it's all kind of hearsay right now. I mean, and, and this year, Rule 5, especially if the season gets shortened, which it looks like it will. I mean, maybe it's not. I hope it's not, but good chance it will. Shorter season, a whole lot easier to carry a Rule 5 guy. So I think this is going to be a really busy year for that. So someone like Cal Mitchell, the Mason Martins, they're at higher risk than I think they normally would be. And even then, they'd be kind of high risk of being picked anyway. I ask you to take Mason Martin and deal with him for a full year. Have fun. Do you want my hot take? Go ahead. He's replacing Matt Olson on the athletics. Olson's going to go to like, suck then. They, they are. They are going to suck regardless. <laughs> They're going to they suck even first worse base. with Mason Martin. But what if he's good? What if he's good? He won't be. And what? And what do the athletics have to lose after they trade Chapman and Olson? when the new CBA is done. That's a hot take. I mean, the thing and is though, I like can you can't it. just like take a, maybe take someone who struck out 34% of the time in double a plop them in the majors and expect yeah. anything out of him. Like counterpoint, Billy, Be- Billy Bean is an insane person and has been for two plus decades. Who values very fair getting take. on base, which Mason Martin showed last year he couldn't do. Also a good take. <laughs> Rebuttal. Insane person, yeah. two plus decades. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like very we're, good we're, rebuttal. You, mentioned, you mentioned it before, like Mason Martin's kind of pigeonholed in one position. I, I think because mm-hmm. of that, it keeps him from being selected in a Rule 5 draft just because it's – there are a million people out there who have who can play first base. That last spot on rosters is going to be used more for someone who can have some utility in other positions and, and things like that. And Mason Martin just doesn't do that. Um, 
yeah, could you maybe hide him? I don't, I don't really think you can because like you, you need all your position players nowadays because you're carrying huge pitching staffs. You know, if you've got teams with I mean, you 13 can... pitchers, you, you've, you've got you've to play everybody. It's, it's a 26-man roster with a 13-pitcher max unless they waive that again because of a shorter spring. And you got a National League DH now. So pinch hitters aren't quite as valuable as they used to be. Yeah, you still got to be able to hit. He doesn't do I think that well. You'll, I mean, I think more than anything, like what you'll see with <laughs> DH now is you'll like you'll, you'll be able to now have, you know, this you know this load management stuff that that we've been seeing lately is and Brian Reynolds instead of having a scheduled off day, Brian Reynolds can have a scheduled DH day. Well, then you still need somebody to play the outfield. You know, if he, Brian Hayes has a scheduled DH day, you still need somebody to play third base. Um, so I, I I think that's what makes me hesitant in thinking Mason Martin has any value on a major league team right now, just because I, I really don't think his hitting is anywhere near what you would want it to be. Um, and there are just other options out there that are more versatile and more um, reliable. I, I'm not going to deny any of this. Yeah. I, a couple months ago would have been in your same shoes. I'm not even saying I'm fully selling out here because kind of sounds like i am actually there i still have a lot of reservations with the guy i just see the guy make he's made some good steps in areas that he needed to make good steps and whenever you consider the the raw tools that he have that are really good that have translated into games he's got the triple a he's not a bum <laughs> yeah i mean he's definitely not a bum um and, and are we even sure like is the roll five draft actually going to happen it's supposed to no guarantees Okay. Wow. I mean, because I could even see, too, like if you sign, let's say the CBA somehow gets signed by the end of the week, somehow. You know, you've got these guys who have been in minor league camp for, you know, a week or two now. And then you, I mean, you have to schedule the draft. So it's got to be in a week or two out. So, so like, I, I guess you're just, pl- you're just plucking people from spring training camps. It's just a little, it's just the timing's weird. Um so I, I don't I don't know I don't know how I don't know how it would work. I would be surprised at this point if they even have one. They they could they could just end up passing on it for all the reasons you said. In the I I don't know I just don't know how you're going to explain to the MLBPA after all this. Be like by the way, a couple minor leaders aren't going to get you know major league opportunities that they normally would get this season. <laughs> Does the MOBPA really care about those couple minor leaguers at this point? This whole thing is because of five years of a million paper cuts. Yeah. Starting off a new CBA with a fresh little paper cut probably isn't the best way to go about things. Yeah, but at this point, like we're running out of time. Like, oh, oh yeah. Backs are against the wall. We're in the the 23rd hour. Like the the doomsday clock is at 11:45 yeah. or something right now. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know depending like on how bad this lockout is. Like what happens to Major League Baseball and you know what's its cultural relevance? How big of a hit does it take to have a strike or not strike a lockout where there are actually games missed for the first time in most you know a good chunk of baseball fans' lives. 
at this point, I think we're in the nitty gritty of are we going to have a full season, which I think everyone is leaning no. I don't think there will be. Forget everything else that comes with that. I agree with you. Everything else that comes with that, that's just going to be thrown to the wayside, in my opinion. It's just going to be try to survive a 2022 of whatever baseball we get. God, that's depressing to hear. <laughs> it's more depressing. I can't, you know, immediately rebuke it. Well, I'm like, let me ask you this, right? So they've been <laughs> together all week. Uh, the good news is, you know, they're not there showing up 50 minutes. They're walking out and everyone's just disgruntled, right? We know they've been together, whether it's in a room, outside of a room, however it is, they've been together for hours. Seems almost every day this week. So I guess, like, how optimistic are you that by the end of this week, maybe even if not, it's signed and done, right? Signed and sealed. But by the end of this week, they're going to be at a part where it's coming together. There will be a deal happening. The only reason of optimism I have is back in 2020, you know, the two sides were a thousand miles apart. And then one day, Manfred and, and Clark got into a room. And in one day, they got like 90% of what they needed to get done, done. And a lot of that was based off of a March agreement that was, you know, strung together in a couple days and was had everyone had a gun to their head at that point. And a lot of that 90% was just extrapolating what was done there. And there is no, you know, basic framework to build off right now. But there is precedent that there has that they can make humongous strides. And it's really going to come down to the CBT. Whenever either side blinks is whenever concessions start to be made and this thing finally gets done. It's not going to be the bonus pool where they decide, okay, we're, it's $50 million or $100 million or $10 million, whatever it is. It's, it's going to be that tax, which really only impacts, what, eight teams at most? Like, Basically. <laughs> yeah. The eight richest teams that they might have to spend a little more money than, than normally do, money that they have in, you know, wheelbarrows in the back. That's what this is all going to come down to. It's, I don't know. Whoever blinks on that, that's whenever things get done. And maybe both sides, <laughs> the league put down the gauntlet of games will be canceled. You will not be paid. I don't know where it stands with service time. I know that in 2020, the one thing the players were not willing to mess with at all was service time. And if the league threatens that potentially, maybe that makes the players blink first. The owners are looking at generations of missed income potentially by not expanding the playoffs, which the players said we are not going to do if we don't have a deal done or if we miss any games you know, this season. That is billions billions and billions of dollars potentially wasted you know on that and this is all going to come down to within a couple of days of which side you know isn't willing to call bs any longer someone has to let me ask you this because i think we've asked about everybody that we've had on in your shoes do you think we're really going to see any change in baseball other than maybe the universal dh or adding maybe a playoff team because no. I think we're all of the opinion we're not going to see anything. It's going to look like the same baseball. Like actual on the field product, it's going to be the same. There isn't going to be a big and even change. Even just front office-wise of any 
economically. I don't think we see any different there either. No, I mean, we'll see some parts. We'll see more players with two years plus of experience qualify for arbitration. We'll see more people who get bonuses and those who are pre-arb get a bigger, a slightly bigger piece of their sliver of pie. We'll see maybe a draft lottery that maybe keeps a team from tanking every once in a while, but like actual big fundamental changes in baseball. No, it's not coming out of this, out of the CBA. Maybe that's the most frustrating part that it's this much fighting to see exactly if it's going to be completely status quo or just mostly status quo out of this whole thing. And I, I, I don't know. You would like to think that if you're going to go through months and months of labor pains, you would actually have a baby to show off at the end. <laughs> well, I was going to say too, like, so I've seen people say that some players, I think, um, shoot, I forget who it even was now, but someone more or less said, like, literally, like if MLB offered us what we have today, you would probably see them accept it. Uh, is that kind of like you're feeling this too? That if there was literally no change, oh, the players are almost at an advantage, they would just go and accept that? At this point, no. Maybe that would have been the same a while ago. If if the owners wanted to theoretically stop a lockout and be like, look, we can't miss games in 2022. We are going to go to war this offseason, but we are just going to – we're going to pass for this one. Let's play a season, then just all hell breaks loose next winter. I, I, I would see the players go with that, you know, just working under the old mm. one for one more year. But I, I'll stand by it. I don't think it has to be this – humongous change to actually end it anymore like we are seeing them fight over a hundred million potentially in a bonus bowl 500 million over the course of the team over the (laughs) course of thing we're talking like each team signing an extra you know number five starter the cbt something that impacts only eight teams like that's not going to really change anything the draft lottery, who who really cares if it's four or seven or eight or all the teams at this point? It's so what you're saying is, is just it's, this could be done in a day. This could be done in a day if they really wanted it to be done in a day. But both sides are just so hell bent on winning this. Finally, they can't fight this far just to end up with a silver, a silver medal. Okay, so what you're saying is basically it's going to cost each team about mm, the going rate of 30 minor league players. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Give or take, yeah. Can't pay 30 more minor league players. Yeah. God forbid. Because we might need to add a fifth starter. <laughs> you know, 30 guys making poverty wages, you can't really live off that. Mm. Listen. So speaking speaking of minor league players i'm curious like what you know with these labor talks going on you've got minor leaguers in camp right now like is there a vibe that you've noticed among them like are they are they kind of like excited to like hey the the spotlight's on me right now or are they kind of down too because it's not the same like what's your vibe there from the players, a lot of them are in the look. We know, unless you're a triple A player, like you know, the Mason Martins, the Cal Mitchells, this doesn't really impact you right now. 
Like you have absolutely one goal right now, and that is trying to improve, try to get to the major league. So if there is any major league baseball still standing in a year or two or however long it takes for you to get to the majors, you'll be a part of it. Um, I Henry Davis sounded off on Twitter whenever that proposal cutting minor league players came out. He doubled down on it in Bradenton and said, look, more baseball is a good thing. That's There is no bad outcome that can come from more baseball. And he's someone who really has done what he felt like he did what he felt like was a favor to major league baseball, not the league, but just like the sport. Whenever he went to that uh, draft combine, not because he had to, none of the other, you know, really high first round draft picks went, but he won. And he said, I wanted to go because this could potentially grow the game and I want to grow the game. So he won for it. Good for him. It's, there, there's a positive vibe with like the front office people, the minor league coaches right there. There's like some cautious optimism of, oh, they'll just get a job. They'll get it done. You know, there's, of course, there's going to be a major league season. Why wouldn't there be? But, you know, they're baseball people. Of course, they would feel that way. Among the players, unless you're like a Henry Davis who has spoken out publicly with it, it's just, look, I'm, I'm working on me. I'm working to get, you know, as good as I can get. Yeah, I was just I was just kind of curious if there was like a I was if there was kind of yeah like a tone around camp on if it was going to be any different for them in particular yeah. you know just because yeah I mean, and I'm going to preface know. this with you know yeah. I haven't talked to everyone I'm sure there are some players mm-hmm. in there that feel very strongly you know one way or the other of like no the players are right they have to absolutely you know get all this stuff you know make our lives better and the other ones like oh my god just get a season going do you have any idea the the consequences of not playing baseball in 2022 would be, I'm sure there are people who take both sides of that. Not yeah, to mention that these guys aren't in the union. No, right. no, they're not <laughs> half uh, probably three quarters. Won't be. If probably more, I mean, there's and probably not more. Most of them will at least get a cup of coffee. Not most, but a good handful of them will. Yeah. I mean, you got to so think they so don't many- give a crap. Yeah, if you think about it, like a lot of, if you're like a fringe guy, right, you kind of don't want to speak your mind probably because you don't want to make any, you know, you don't want to ruffle oh, yeah. any feathers. If you're someone like Henry Davis, you can afford to say whatever you want, right? Yeah. Um, whereas that's why it became a meme on Twitter when everyone on is like, oh, well, we can't get rid of this guy. I guess he gets to speak his mind. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <laughs> henry davis will be that next union rep that we trade <laughs> <laughs> they're half of them ex-pirates it's crazy you know that how the hell was the best thing that neil huntington produced were union reps i mean come on <laughs> it's yeah. just like once once you play for the pirates you just like have to you have to it really ingrains the whole anti-ownership uh agenda in your in your head thanks it, it, it can't be a coincidence right i mean it, it can't be a coincidence that all these people <laughs> all these people that were in this previous regime's culture new regime comes in saying we absolutely have to change the culture <laughs> that's the number one priority and it's like yeah. hmm, I'm, I'm starting to think maybe the culture wasn't so great there towards the end right well, I mean, honestly, speaking of culture, what I was going to ask you too here is like, you know, you being down there and such, 
you talk about the vibe of the players, like as far as like the CBA and all that goes, but like, what's the vibe of Pirates camp? You know, and I ask this too because I, I know there hasn't been like many opportunities for you to be in spring and you know see these guys all together and such. But you're coming off this exciting draft, right? Where everyone's talking, interviewing everyone. They all seem to be you know gelling together. So now they're all in camp right now. They're mixed with everyone. So like, what's the vibe in general uh, amongst these players? It's a good vibe. It's a good, a healthy vibe. It, it kind of reminds me, honestly of in 2020 whenever i went down to major league camp and that was the first one i ever went covering wise but everyone was just like sprinting they were ready to go and yeah we know how that season turned on but it turned out but uh it was just like complete change of pace it was something different it was a breath of fresh air and i think a lot of that is still carried over here to the minor league camp like you can mention you know that that big draft class around there which someone like Henry Davis is absolutely the guy that has all the eyes on him. I, I don't know if he's going to end up being the best Pirates player. He's going to be, end up, he's going to end up being the Pirates captain at some point because the dude just screams that energy. He has that energy around him and it really does impact the people that he is around. It's a good environment down there. It's a good culture. They're doing some wacky stuff and they're in like with some of the drills that they have going on there with the hitters, with the machines going on there, they have like weights tied to hips sometimes, you know, like swing to try to keep the back, you know, open up the back. Don't let the hips fly open right there. And it's a lot of weird stuff. And it's been a very much almost every single time. It's the player going, all right, I'm willing to give it a shot, which is basically all you could ask for out of it. So what they are trying to build, the more time I spend around the minor league camp, the more I, I see it actually translated, the more I feel like, yeah, they, they're actually accomplishing what they're trying to set out to do. So I know you've, oh, I'm sorry, Jim. I know a lot of the buzzword around the minor league camp is individualizing <laughs> some of the development. And it seemed to a pessimistic Pirates fan like myself, Go for it, it feels like it's, it's a buzzword to get away from the Neil Huntington regime where they were a square peg round hole developmental thing. Mm -hmm. So how are you, how do you convince just in your opinion of what is different about what they're doing? Well, I mean, for the real pessimistic Pirates fans, nothing I'm going to say is really going to change in there. It's going to be – it. no, and I don't mean that like as an insult. It's going to be the – whenever a Pergero comes up and he hits, like he, he's – you know, he lives up to the hype. Whenever an O'Neill Cruz or, you know, just Nick Gonzalez, just someone that's like, no, this is what they set out to do, and here's tangible proof that it's actually working. And until then, it, it doesn't really matter, until they actually field a winning club. I'm happy you Talking. said that. <laughs> that's the most important. That's the only thing that matters in all this. Like the development, the minor leagues, that's just a stepping stone that if you have that, you know, you're going to have good. Don't consider that a win. So I itself guess because it's not. What are you? I know you didn't cover them back in 2019 at spring training, but from what you heard then compared to now, are you seeing a lot different in terms of development? I mean, 2019, I, whenever I would go out to like to Altoona and whatever pitcher was on that day, you know, you're talking to 
oh god who's the manager right there ryan ryan he's talking he's like what'd you think of this pitcher he did good he got this many outs on three pitchers or less it's like why the hell do we care how many outs this double a fastball pitcher got on three pitchers or less how can we actually think that this is the best way to develop pitchers in this time and age and there are pitchers that floundered with it and it's no surprise that someone like Mike Burroughs who I'm really high on as as a prospect gets out of that system and boy did he have a really good year in Greensboro last year now he's a top 10 prospect where you know beforehand he was just this 11th router with some good raw tools that the old regime didn't know how to do that's where the individual part of it comes in the how do we get the best out of you there's more collaboration with players you know Cody Bolton threw a slider all of 2019 that he didn't want to throw why because oh we told you to throw it that way and that was something that they he threw out he got a hold of the new pitching coaches he's like I want to experiment with this new grip they talked it through they found out you know the concern was can you keep your arm healthy they feel like it can so he's going to it that's where you get the best version of players whenever they have that control, whenever they actually believe into whatever they do something, not because they were told because, but because everyone involves like, this is how you become the best version of yourself. Is, um, and until it wins, much, it, it is just words, but yeah, is pretty much everybody there. Any like visa issues on international guys or. Uh, they were coming in waves. Uh, there mm-hmm. was supposed to be one more big wave that had like Lonnie white and Brendan Malone, and I can't think of anyone else, maybe Braylon Bishop, who was still you know, going to come in right there because they tried to break, prevent this huge COVID outbreak among everyone, you know, if everyone just came in at once. But after that, I think that's everyone besides the 40-man and the DSL guys. So do we just want to get into it? Because I know Jim's just, you know, waiting. You brought up Henry Davis. Jim can't wait to talk about Henry Davis. Uh, we've, we heard about the baseball we crushed. So what are you seeing out of Henry Davis right now for the little bit of you have seen? Dude's a ball player. Like the dude, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try to say this in the nicest possible way because I don't mean it as an insult. The, the dude's a little crazy. He's a little baseball crazy. Like he's, he's roommates with uh, Bubba Chandler and uh, Salamedo. And he's talking like, yeah, we have to go to bed and the apartment has to be at this temperature because it's the optimum, optimal temperature for us to go to sleep at, you know, <laughs> for an athlete's body. It's like there's so much insane little details like that, that this dude's going to be a ball player. He's going to be a major league baseball player. He's probably going to be a really good major league baseball player for a while, especially if, you know, they ditched the framing, which was like the one knock I really got on him as a college prospect. And I brought up the leadership part and how he's going to be, you know, the captain of that future Pirates team, whenever that may be. I look, I I don't know how much higher someone like Mayer is than Davis on the prospect charts right now. If you're not a Pirate fan, you shouldn't care. Yeah, yeah, you you really shouldn't care. They they got the guy that they wanted for this system. It's as simple as that. And technically speaking, since you're talking about it, fan graphs came out today with the 100, and Mayer is 19, Davis is 22. I take it all back. Horrible decision. They should have gotten Mayer. He's whole, three whole players better. 
Um, so, so going back to Davis, um, you know, we saw the, we saw the Twitter videos of the home run that he, that he hit and almost, almost hit a car. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned his personality and just like his work ethic and all that. So we, we kind of, we kind of get that idea. I think that's just something that, you know, coming from an elite university like Louisville, all right, I'm just, done. those values get instilled. <laughs> those values get instilled in you. I wish but, you went um, to Kentucky. But no, for real. <laughs> so you mentioned the framing though, kind of that, that was his one knock coming out of college. I mean, he was, he was the best hitter in, in NCAA last year. He he's, he's kind of like built like a bowling ball. He's going to, he's going to be able to hit for power. Um, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. Um, how, like as far as his baseball skills that you've seen so far, you know, what, what's kind of stood out. I think the big thing that stood out is every single time I've seen him talking to a pitcher, it's been a very lively conversation. I don't mean like they're getting in their faces or anything. I mean, like the pitcher always has something to say, and you know, we're talking about a conversation going on a hundred feet away. You can't hear anything, but there's definitely something that he's either asking or saying to the pitcher or just something that is resonating on one of the two sides, which I think you really want to see from the catcher, you know, more than anything right there, especially in spring training where you're trying to get a feel for a lot of these guys stuff. I mean, he's going to spend next year, probably split between Greensboro and Altoona. He is going to catch a lot of pitchers and a lot of talented pitchers. I mean, how many top 10 pirates prospects is he going to catch between like, between Priester and Burroughs and Bajinski and Jones, like it's a big list of really important guys. He's going to have to end up catching and, you know, have that relationship with that. That's my big takeaway from like, it's all intangibles with him, which is weird for me. Like if, if you know me, you know, I'm the type of guy that, that really likes getting into the mechanics that likes getting into the data. And every time I talk about Henry Davis, I go to, He's learned Spanish so he could communicate with Latin players better on the mound. It's it's just a bunch of intangible stuff, and I feel like I'm discrediting that this guy was drafted first overall because he's a damn good baseball player. Yeah, I've kind of said before that I think worst case scenario, we're looking at maybe a Kyle Schwarber type of guy that possibly doesn't stick a catcher, but he's going to hit enough to be able to play at the major league level. Yeah, he's definitely going to hit enough. If there's no framing involved, I don't know why he couldn't stick a catcher. But then again, catcher is going to be not nearly as taxing a position defensively. Not to say it's not going to be valuable, but it's going to be a completely different ball game of what's actually valued down there. So what do you think the future of that really is now that AAA is going to have the Robo-Ums? I mean, it's it's inevitable for Major League Baseball. I loathe it. I truly, truly hate it with it. I mean, I'm I'm the pity jag off that'd be like, you know what? But you're, what I'm hearing here is there is absolutely it's a competitive disadvantage to have a catcher if there is nobody on base before there are two strikes. Because why do you need someone to catch a baseball? around them you know like put them put them out in the outfield have a four-man outfield out there until two strikes let the robo ups take it and then two strikes okay guys we can't let it be a wild pitch i'm gonna put on the catcher gears we're gonna play joyless seven-hour baseball we are going to be the new england patriots of, of this sport um, and, and until then but 
I think that what's really going to uh, separate people is going to be that, you know, how do you manage a pitching staff? How do you, you know, call a game? How do you, you know, it's that intangible stuff that is hard to quantify. I think that's going to be the most important thing for countries going forward. People would argue it now, not to say that it isn't now, but, oh my God, like pitch framing, we, we, that it could be a 20, 30 run swing between a really good and a really bad player. We can't pretend that, you know, that's three wins. We can't pretend that's nothing. Well, I mean, and you're talking about the pitch framing, you know, all this stuff we have. I mean, you don't even need to call a game anymore. You can have the bands. Yeah. Oh, man, that <laughs> is right. That's, is that just Vanderbilt or who all has that right? I just saw Vanderbilt, but I think it's like in process of, I don't know, is that going to expand? I didn't really dig too deep in that, but I saw that as well from them. I, I got depressed with that. <laughs> How are you supposed to bang a trash can? with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know if that's gonna come to major league baseball and i would be really shocked but uh i mean it's a cool concept if you're like if you if if your catcher's not calling the game anyways why not yeah but the catcher sees stuff that other people can't do pitching coach isn't going to see you know, hey, his hips flew open really early right there. Let's let's throw some off speed breaking stuff. I don't know. You could get it from the. You could get a lot of stuff from, you know, the pitching coach. You should get a lot of stuff from the dugout, but the catcher should be the one. Catcher and pitcher have the final say. Because without them, pitch ain't being thrown. I'm 100 percent with Alex here. There's just a feel that a catcher gets with a game. Mm-hmm. That is just oh, completely different. And the more we take away all this, the, the more boring this game's going to get. That's, I'm afraid that this game might get too boring with stuff like that. Like the we reason why we have robo umps, reason we have robo umps is because in 2015 or whatever, ESPN put that stupid strike zone filter over it and we. Boy, wasn't life a lot better in 2015 than it is now? Think of all the horrible things that have happened since then. I don't want to tie it all back to ESPN putting up the strike zone thing, but boy, did that not help. So, so basically, I can deal. ruined the world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But man, I can deal with robo ops. I, I just when we get too far into it, and it's just going to get exhausting and. Hard to watch. I might just watch college baseball until that gets the rainbow lumps. It's like college, and then before, I'm just before. before pro, yeah, you're not wrong. But uh, and then you, you know, go, go, go to high school. Yeah, we don't have money for that. T-ball. You'll have to install TrackMans <laughs> at Lisbon High School. <laughs> oh God! But either way, I mean. I used to be all. I actually did used to be all aboard RoboOps. It was mainly just anger at Yadier Molina stealing a bunch of strikes. But at this point, I kind of enjoy just yelling at umpires based upon the strike zone that's on my TV, it's and then the, the ump zone. It's human error. That's what makes it. I there's not enough human error in this sport right now. Like my hot take is like review should be like thirty seconds long. We get yeah, like, sh- it should be like a Jeopardy thing. 
you you get a couple looks at it, get rid of like the really bad calls that, you know, we made the call for there to actually be instant replay. And after that, you know, it's like, no, it was a judgment call. You're not going with that system. You're not going to have, you know, Galarraga, you know, have his perfect game, take it away, which is what replay should be doing rather than, oh, well, after five minutes of review, we decided that the second baseman, he did keep the ball. He did apply the tag, kept it on whenever the pace runner's hands for five milliseconds left the bag, and therefore it's a caught stealing. And like that's you lose. <laughs> Gregor Polanco, who was seven years in the league, popped off the bag for a millisecond. Right. Yes, I hate that. That rule needs to be fired into the sun. It's one of the worst in baseball. There's so many rules that have just lost all interpretation what the original interpretation of it should be replay has not been the blessing for baseball that people thought it was going to be no i I fully agree i fully agree with that i hate like you mentioned like you're you know you pop off for a millisecond now you're out but what i'll say i found interesting what you said was something i never really thought of right because to go to tyler i was also one on robo umps like just get it right this makes sense like why why be wrong but um i've now leaned more towards no, right? Have the catcher um, frame, right? Have the framing in there. But you said about the, the game getting less exciting, you know, and like the pitch effects, like ruining it, right? 2015. And I'm thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? I feel as if like that's the opposite. I mean, what is more entertaining than having people just yelling and complaining and whatever? You know, like, honestly, think about that. That actually has added entertainment value to this. If you lose that, whether it's, you know, good or bad right you're talking about it, you're complaining a group of people are all coming together everyone knows who these umpires are right now because of all these bad calls you lose that right it's just kind of just dull like i know it's right but sometimes i guess right isn't always exciting if that makes sense and i know someone listening ethan is going to hate everything i'm saying right now but but like it's it's true and i guess i kind of get it like yeah ultimately the the, the goal is to be correct but being incorrect does add excitement to the game. I mean, I mean if, if every call was correct, you could never be like, what a terrible call. Right. You can, I mean, there's you, reasons you why people lose the first take phrase. because yeah. they're just horrible yeah. takes, right? And they're completely wrong. So <laughs> that's why Skip Billies has an audience. <laughs> does anyone actually watch first take and not just get like the best of Stephen A memes on Twitter? Like, <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched it since they broke up i guess since they went to fs1 but yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know to, to air is human and baseball is a human game like taking away the human errors i i hate it and i know maybe that's not exactly on brand for for the stats nerd for the you know analytics geek but you gotta keep it interesting. You need that variable wild card with it. If you if you don't like it, just play the show and put on the umps always get it right call, and have your manager get tossed for no reason. I, f- I feel like me and Alex are kind of in the same boat. Where at one point in my life, I was all aboard reading Fangraphs all day, all aboard reading whatever saber metrics I could find, and then I just got to a point where it just took away the fun of the game. And it made baseball not baseball. No, oh, I'm I'm still in the you know the fan graphs 
Band well, yeah, both but, there. but yeah. at some point it gets exhausting where we're just overloading everything. And this guy hit this in the minors. He should be good in the future instead of actually not. Does this guy's swing going to translate to the major league level? We just kind of threw that. Out <laughs> you just argue on Mason Martin and used uh, analytics basically <laughs> to do it. Your whole freaking point. So <laughs> what leg do you have to stand on? Is this swing going to translate to the major league level? No, because he strikes out too much and he doesn't walk. You uh, just Alex said, oh, well, he, he can't do it because the only player who ever drill. did that, this percentage, was Javi Baez. And that's you just part rolled of my out point a fan graphs article. They are super useful, analytics are, but at some point we get to a point where and just like throwing an entire front office at all these Ivy League guys who actually don't know baseball other than the numbers is almost ruining baseball. I said almost. It's <laughs> well, very useful. We, well, we've already, talked, I mean, we've already talked at length about how boring the game has gotten because the players have gotten so good at doing what they're what, trying to do. Right. They so have like, gotten which, good at doing is, what the analytics, and what they're, analytics and what they're have trying told them to, to do. do. What they're trying to do is get paid more money. And the way you get paid more money is by hitting home runs and striking hitters uh-huh. out. Right. Mm-hmm. So the players have gotten so good at that and they're focusing on that. And both behaviors kind of are feeding into each other's behaviors that it's just culminating to you don't have enough balls in play anymore. Right. Which is makes the game boring. Like, no, like I like strikeouts are cool, Jim, where like, does this I all remember, start? No, it starts with analytics. It starts because right? the, because they're the people saying this is the most efficient way to win baseball games, right? which is boring. Well, with the players, they're saying it's the most, it's the best way to get paid. That's what the players, because the players, which is really, because they, that's what they care about is what can, how can I get paid? Correct. More? Hit more home runs. I don't blame them. More batters. Um, I blame Billy Bean. <laughs> Two but plus I mean, that's, decades. that's the issue. But like, that's the issue, right? I mean, I remember I was watching baseball as a kid in the nineties, like when Chris Benson would strike out a batter in 1998, right. Or 1999. Like, it was like a big deal. It was like, oh, man, big strikeout. Like, if a pitcher struck out 10 batters in a game or if a team struck out 10 times in a game, like, that was a lot of strikeouts. And now you're almost never going to go through a game where a team doesn't strike out 10 times. It would be almost impossible at this point uh, because you've got relief pitchers who are throwing 102 miles an hour. You've got everybody's throwing just ridiculous breaking stuff because they've they've maximized their spin that they can put on the ball. It's all scientific now. And and they everybody is just the the best is everybody's throwing the best pitch they possibly can. The hitters are only trying to, to pull the ball in the air. And it just means home runs, strikeouts, and nothing else. And it, it over Perez. It's boring. Over Perez hitting 200 strikeouts was a huge deal. Oliver Perez should be a huge deal, even nowadays. He was a huge deal that year. He yeah, third most year he strikeouts in Pirates history in a single season, and the other one I, I can't remember who it was. He threw like eighty more innings. It wasn't even. It was pretty close. Yeah. But yeah, that's that was my point. Is that analytics certainly have their use and. Truthfully, I think analytics fit most in baseball than any other sport. But we have gotten to a point where it has made the game slightly painful to watch. I mean, it could be stat that, like the football. 
Like at least that's why baseball analytics have caught on. And while football mm-hmm. hasn't, because you, it's hard to actually quantify, you know, how, how football analytics work because there are just so many different variables in it. You've got 10 other people where every, where baseball, every single play is its own individualized event that rarely will take more than at most four or five players to complete a play. Like unless it's a six, four, three double play, you're not really going to need more players is give a play to that. So it's, that's why it's taken off there. And plus what Jim said that it, it, it has worked with it. And it has it, you know, made the game slower, a little less enjoyable balls in play. I mean, it, there are definitely fewer balls in play. There are more home runs and there are more strikeouts to the point that it's not as exciting as it once was, but it wasn't just that. I mean, it, it, it has always been trending that way. Like even before that, there was ESPN where you get on highlights and chicks dig the long ball. And, you know, that's how you end up building your brand that way. And before that, it was the only three stats that we really care about for hitters are average home runs and RBIs. And it, it, it's always been like that. I feel like analytics get scapegoated a little bit in this. I don't know. Speaking as the guy who writes the analytics column in in Pittsburgh every week, it's evolved into only about being about half analytics anymore and half like mechanical or situational or like, how do you get about it? Because it it shouldn't just all be analytics. No, I agree. I mean, I think we all feel like it's, there needs to be a good solid blend. I mean, just like anything, everything's good in moderation. Like you can't go extreme. Right. So I think we all can agree. Like it can't be all just analytics. You have to have the other stuff involved. And I think I don't think it's much to argue on that sense. Yeah, like like Tyler said. I mean, you need those people from the Ivy Leagues to come in that don't know baseball because they have that outside perspective, and they can tell everyone what they're missing, right? Because when you have that scout that's been there for ninety years and they see it this way, and it's like, well, if you look at this aspect, look what we can do, right? I mean, like look at this new regime opposed to the last regime. Like this is what we've done it for ten years, right? Three, three pitches are out. Okay, well, great. Let me come and give you another persuasive idea here, right? So, like, I think it's great that they've done it and they have made it efficient. And there's a great way of you know playing baseball now. Look how the how many other people have gotten jobs in doing it. But I think we have, to Tyler's point, it's gotten to a point where it's too much, and now maybe having some cricket to the mean and dialing back on it. The funny part is with like the three pitches or less, it's like, what if the analytics wrong? They, they put so much stock into it. And oh my God, did Charlie Morton become a whole lot better whenever he was allowed to just try to strike out pitchers or strike out batters? Boy, did Tyler Glasnow get a whole lot better whenever he stopped throwing a two seamer that he uh, was forced. That was forced. I'm going to die, Matt, that Tyler Glasnow ever threw a two seam fastball. I, I'm going to die mad about that one. That is one of the worst crimes we have done in baseball over the last 20 years. That was. It would be more. It, it can't be. Garrett Cole, at least, was an all star. Tyler Glasnow had his confidence shaken yeah, to the but... point that he was never going to work out in Pittsburgh because he was put in he was forced to throw a pitch that he had never thrown before and every single optic would say like this is a horrible idea 
on the only pitcher that could maybe do worse with a two seamer or sinker is Chris Archer. <laughs> Better not try to, you know, acquire him. I got my own opinions on glass now, but that's a different story for a different time. All right. So going back to camp, let's go back. To I'm... Camp. All right. We talked about Henry Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Nick Gonzalez a little bit, so let's 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 kind of touch on him. Is uh, what what have you seen out of, out of Gonzalez so far? And is he sad that his uh, his buddy Pagero isn't with him right now? Yeah, those two are like legitimate friends. Those two, like that's it's it's Pirates lucked out a little bit there because I'm sure they had that vision of whenever they drafted him. I'm not saying they drafted Nick Gonzalez because like oh we can have the middle infield of the future. But it'd be kind of like a boy if these guys, you know, really click together. They they absolutely love the idea of those guys, you know, playing together. They're really good friends. It's basically everything you could hope for. As far as a double play goes, you could do a whole lot worse than two top 100 guys. Swing is compact. He moves through it. Haven't gotten to see him play a whole lot on defense. I think that's going to be a real factor for him because we all know there are a ton of middle infielders now in the system, and he could potentially go to the outfield. That was always the word. If like middle infield doesn't work, haven't really gotten to see him do any glove work, but it's the swing is the big thing. Obviously I I brought up the swing and miss early on, but that's just, you know, beginning of camp going on there. Whenever it does hit the bat, it bounces. The guy hits line drives. I, I got like a Dustin Pedroia, like offensive profile comp, whatever he was drafting. And I totally see it, it as far as how that goes. And it's not surprising that Cherichip was drawn to someone who had a Dustin Pedroia offensive comp right there. Like this, he's a good line drive hitter. And it's what you kind of need out of it. I, I look at someone like India of the Reds. It's like, if this really works out for him, that's kind of the ball player the Pirates are getting here. He was pretty good. So what do you make of, I believe Fangraphs dropped Gonzalez from a 60 hit tool to a 45. Was it down do to 45? Because I think at this point, it's more of a, from what I saw, I believe he's down to a 45 hit tool at this point. A lot of it's going to be a 28% K rate struggle with the breaking ball. Breaking ball. You sometimes had a hard time catching up the velocity. Just, there is some swing and miss there. There is some swing and miss. I'm not going to deny that, but it's the whenever he does actually make contact, it does jump off the bat at, at a good launch to like it's not just a bunch of hard hit ground balls right to shortstop that you can find a shift and that's it for. There are a lot of legitimate line drives coming off the bat. He was playing in high A, you know, is is his first real step of affiliated ball. I I wouldn't put a ton of stock in that swing and miss early on. I mean, Eric and them, they do a ton of great work. So if they did drop it to 45, I, I, I'd probably be a little more bullish than that, than that. But I, I, I won't be like, Oh my God, that is just such a horrible analysis right there. If they're not convinced that the swing and miss would go away or at least be manageable. Cool. Yeah. They yeah, did drop look, it to 45. It is 45. And, and I, and, and and what's kind of the the surprise thing is you, you talk about a swing, right? It's like the short, compact swing, and the strikeout numbers just like don't like you look at the swing and you're like, this guy shouldn't be able, this guy should be able to make contact. And then you look at the numbers and it's like, oh well, why is he swinging and missing so much? So, 
Um, I mean, I know he, he, he definitely got better as the season progressed. Like when he got healthy, he tore up the Arizona fall league, a 45 hit tool, I think is a little, that's a little much like maybe drop him to 50, but like, I think this guy is going to be able to hit. Yeah. I mean, he's shown his whole, whole, everywhere he's been, he's hit. Yeah. And early on, like he, Okay, he had a, he swung miss a lot early on. He was going from New Mexico State to high A baseball. Like that is a huge jump in the competition that you face. Of course, there's going to be some of that. And he had a couple hand injuries. You know, he had a cyst in the Arizona Fall League that needed to be taken care of at the end. He had the pinky that cost him some regular season. Like there were nothing serious in the long haul, but it it does you know cause little breaks it causes pauses in the season and you know trying to get that timing down i'm i'm not too worried about those swing and strike rates right now maybe if he does it again in altoona maybe it does become a little concerning but i i don't know i this i view him as a major league hitter like part of the reason they were drawn to him was because he was a pretty well developed hitter as as far as you know middle infield prospects go in the past couple drafts and you know a couple eh, months early on and affiliated ball isn't going to change that well the strikeout rate went from i tend to agree with you there just yeah it was 27 percent in high a ball and the arizona fall league when he was facing better pitching you know for the most part um he struck out 16% of the time in, in the Arizona Fall League. So just kind of like the strikeout is the strikeouts were not an issue at all in, in the Fall League. Yeah. I mean, smaller Jim, sample, you have to like but... just first half the second half. Uh, for the season, regular season? Yeah. I feel like it was based off just, just memory different. from doing our show. I feel like. When he came back from the injury, like that past five or six weeks, yeah. I think it was like a 22% strikeout rate. Yeah. Colby, I'm getting my Tyler on. Yeah. I'm trying to get my my stats here, right? My little game. Well, he I was just feel like it was plus 30, like first half. Mm-hmm. I feel like and the past second half is maybe weeks. around 20, somewhere in that ballpark. So, yeah. I can but regardless, it's if kind of like a, Alex said, words. If he comes out and strikes out that rate again, you might start to pause a little bit, maybe pump the brakes. But for right now, based on what we saw in the later half of the season, I wouldn't take as drastic of a measure as Fangraphs did, but they obviously watch a lot more ball than me. They still had him as a 50, so it's not like they're, it, it's not the, the Woody meme hmm. that I don't want to play with you anymore. Or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's still a pretty big jump down, drop down. From 55 to 50? Yeah. I thought he was 60 last year. I thought he was 50 But also plus. when you have... Drop down the, when you put together a pretty I thought he was a 50 damn good season, too. So, yeah. I thought he was a 60 to a 45. I thought Henry Davis wrong. was our only 60 plus. Cruz. I well, I'm talking about hit tool. Okay. Oh, oh, oh just hit. Okay. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just speaking about hit tool. It, it's the most important one for him. Like 
whatever. If he has to DH or play outfield or whatever, he can live with it. Because there really is no established outfielder. But Bernard, you were going to say 100% besides Brian. Brian Reynolds. <laughs> no, I was going to bring up too. So, I mean, talk about guys right outside. Well, I the, mean, uh, we've talked about it in the... Go ahead. You good? Is your audio delayed or something? I think you're delayed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk. <laughs> um, no, I was at, well, Jim, did you find the numbers yet? Um, I'm looking at last year. Fangraphs had him at a 60 hit tool. So now he's a 45. 60 to a 45. Okay. I think Jim's delayed because that's what I said 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Did you get his uh, strikeout numbers at the end up. of the year? <laughs> uh, they were they were actually about yeah, the same. thing we asked for. Mm, okay. Well, what I was going to say is, yeah, moving on, another guy on the outside, Quinn Priester, right? Got a lot of hype after 2020. We saw what he did last year, which was a pretty good season, but he's also another one. So Quinn Priester is 102 on fan graphs. Um, and the thing I want to bring up too, I wasn't very excited hearing this comp. But they pretty much said that his report it reads just like Aaron Sanchez's did. <laughs> so is he in camp? And have you seen anything from him or any thoughts, ideas? Uh, that's a very depressing and maybe not the worst comp out there. Like, he, he is in camp. Talk to him. Look, he did something really good last year by bringing in the slider cutter that he has right now, which, you know, uh, talking – to people like that's a major league ready pitch right now you know he he could throw that in the major leagues the curveball has that 12 to 6 6 action that's a really good pitch uh changeup has actually made some developments the fastball that's the reason why he's not super high up on the list like whenever it was the quarantine season he was throwing bullpens it was you know a lot higher than it was actually practical in game and i think people fell a little into love fell in love a little too much with that bullpen off-season version of Quinn Priester who isn't in games which you know is fine he was a good pitcher he won his league you know pitcher of the year it's not like he you know had this horrible season he's got the fastball is kind of a little bit of an issue right now with him it's probably the area that he needs to work on the most doesn't have a ton of run on it it's maybe going to be like major league average but he's got two really good breaking offerings and i didn't hear the aaron sanchez comp beforehand but i'm sure a lot of people heard a lot of this with aaron sanchez at the time and oh my god would that be anticlimactic if he ends up being aaron sanchez <laughs> i would i'm not gonna lie i'd take an aaron sanchez at his peak from him career from sub four earned run average he won an era title Aaron that Sanchez. one year, I'd take it. Year. Just saying. I mean, I'm, I'm not knocking Aaron Sanchez here, but you you would want you know someone in that team's area to to put up someone to put up his numbers than the top 100 first round pick. I feel like I when mean, he turns into Aaron Sanchez, you? that's that's not bad. That's you need, I mean, I think that's fair. If you get a first round pick that turns into Aaron Sanchez, I'm fine with that. That's better. That's better than every single Pirates prospect that has come out of the yeah. minor league system. Uh, I mean, other than a, Garrett Cole, a one-word player. No, other than maybe he other was than higher just than a one-word player once his career. 
Yeah, which war are you? Is that one Fangrass war pitcher suck? I'll second that. Well, I'm on Our war all day. Go to baseball America. Or How about just you go, go to baseball, baseball reference? reference? That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah maybe the one that works. What baseball perspective. Like two. And he he had four one war seasons or higher, and one was five point one. So, like I said, I that one lie. year, one point four, one point nine, one, and then that five point one. I mean, he did have that good year. I, I recognize he had the good year. Mm-hmm. To me, like he had that one good year, and then after that, he was there. I get what you you're guys saying. Are... I mean, just all right, let's put it in about pers- a right-handed Oliver Perez right now. Come on. But, let's but what I want to say too is, especially coming off the season where everyone was talking about keep your on Quinn Priester. He's already rated high, and it was like, but watch out because by the end of this year, he could be the top pitching prospect in baseball. And yeah, now we're into those like, prospect lists where we we're supposed to look out for, and we're talking Aaron Sanchez. So that was quite like the drastic difference. Pushing him up there, all that media type <laughs> that got Aaron to watch Sanchez. him in camps. Aaron Sanchez was the number 27 prospect in baseball in 2015, Donardo. Okay, and, and so was Quinn Priester like last year. Yeah, but Quinn Priester did so not read the same. Games. If I, got I, I feel Aaron like Sanchez I feel like bat, if Quinn, I, I think I feel like that is a good comparison to make. Like, yeah, you want Quinn Priester to be an ace, but like, I don't think that's who he is. And I've only seen we're talking Quinn about Priester. the 102 yeah. ranked prospect. If right. I got Aaron Sanchez, I'd be good. Yeah, I agree. 102 ranked prospect. If Quinn Priester is a solid three or four, give it to me. Yep, that's Quinn that's Priester the should be very pick. happy. Quinn Priester should be very happy that Contreras came around and he doesn't have to worry about being the number one anymore. Well, that's true. I will say this with Priester, and, and I mean, you mentioned it, Alex, just like the, especially the curveball, just borderline unhittable, especially like when I saw him last year, like just one of the best curveballs I've seen in a minor league baseball game. Early JMO ish. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, it's throughout the Sanchez. What's if he's just McCullers? How how do I mute Tyler? (laughs) I'm just, I mean, if his four seems not that great (laughs) and it doesn't have much run, maybe you should change that grip. Maybe pronate a little bit. Let's just see what happens. See if we get some balls on the ground, boys. We're getting playing up in the zone. This is the new era of ground balls again because the balls are not going to be juiced as much. So let's just get back to that ground ball era. Have we ever docked Stilo? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Interesting. I wish I had that brain. No, I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think Steele wants that brain, man. Love the guy, but come on. <laughs> but no, seriously, we talked about the last few weeks with McHenry and first uh, stack about Priester, and it almost seems like it's just kind of an overcorrection with the prospect rankings, where he was just boosted so high that now that he didn't perform to the level that everyone thought he would, it's kind of like to pull him back even harder. Yeah, it was. I mean, he wasn't off-season bullpen 
you know, Quinn Priester over a regular season? How many pitchers can are actually that? Very few. Like, is this is this really a sin? And yeah, maybe it is a bit of an overcorrection with it. I, I think the guy is a really good young pitcher. I think he is going to be part in anchoring, you know, a potential playoff rotation for the Pirates, you know, at some point. I I think I there are a couple people right now in this camp that whatever their actual ranking is, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if Henry Davis is 22 or 19 or three, he needs to be a good baseball player for this team to be successful going forward. And Quinn Priester's in the same boat. That's fair enough. Yeah. So another thing I really wanted to ask too, and it's kind of goes to the camp, the vibe and such, but I already love this guy, this kid, I should say, just because of whatever. And I feel like people in Pittsburgh will probably love him too. And apparently he's getting the mullet back. And I don't understand how <laughs> how in the hell he and Davis room together because they sound like complete polar opposites. So, like, what dynamic have you personally seen from them both? And just, like, how crazy is Bubba? Bubba is an interesting cat. Like it, it, Salamedo is also a roommate with them too. Yes. I would, I would love. <laughs> they could do like a real world or something. I mean, is he like brother the father figure? I just envision he like this old man and these two little kids. It one hundred percent is like Henry Davis is simultaneously three years older than them and forty years older than them. It's <laughs> it's incredible with that where he's just the old man dad. I think it was Bubba who he said he was like the dad of the group. It's I don't know. Like Bubba's got a little bit of like the frat boy in him also. And it's it's actually funny whenever, you know, someone else says like, yeah, Bubba grew this offseason. He really grew you know, he he really cleaned up. He's like, oh he got his act together. No, no, like he literally cleaned his room. You can walk in it now. <laughs> It's, it's stuff like that. I, I do not know how they actually all get along together in that apartment, but they do. It, you know, it's pretty interesting. That's gonna be my only real takeaway from that. But yeah, Bubba, he's cleaned up his act. Good for him. I feel like and the like how Twitter okay. account should do like a real world Bradenton, just like oh put up God. some cameras in that apartment and. Like, give us some clips. <laughs> what that, a that's how I use my insider axis. Yeah. Yeah. That's how no, I, I, was... I said I, I could be breaking Trevor Cahill's signings, but no, I I gave it all up to see <laughs> Henry Davis make protein pancakes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but and since we're talking about him, like, so what have you seen out of Bubba? And again, like two-way player apparently, gonna keep it, the pitching, the hitting. he's still going with it. They're still planning out, you know, regular season where he can end up doing it. Um, Swing is very simple, maybe to an almost destructive point. Like it's a very straightforward move. It doesn't look natural, but the ball just absolutely bounces off the bat where it's like, okay, I, I can see why they haven't given this up on there there's there's some raw tools here there's it just needs to be cleaned up a whole lot um pitching wise they've done a lot of work at least from what i've seen so far you know with the early parts of his wind-up delivery gunning over the head um with the pitch he's been working on the slider 
it, it, it's all what you would expect a high school player to go through in their first, you know, major league spring or minor league spring training camp. It's just interesting that he's doing what all the, the minor league hitters would do and all what the minor league pitchers would do at this point. It would be really interesting, exciting to see how long he can keep this two-way player go. I don't know if he's going to be able to you know, reach the majors with it, but I, he'll get through this year, I'm pretty sure. Any concern that, you know, if you focus on both, you're not maximizing the potential of probably what he's better at, which is pitching. Yeah, well, he's not allowed to skip any pitching drills. He's not allowed to hit to the point that it stunts his pitching development. Like, there is no, there's no ambiguity here. If he can only do one, he is going to pitch right there. Okay. So if it ever does interfere, I, I'm sure the hitting would be cut down, but it hasn't so far. And they go out of their way to make sure that if he needs extra time off, it is, you know, hitting or fielding development that ends up being cut off. I I don't see him playing shortstop. I think that gets ditched pretty early on. I'd be shocked if he plays more than a couple games of shortstop this year, which, you know, would still be a nice feather in the cap. But if there's any chance, it's going to be Otani where he pitches and he DHs, which is fine because there is no DH in the National League which I hate, but, you know, neither here nor there. And that makes a lot of sense. Alex is kind of like an old-school baseball fan. It was that first before it was the analytic nerd. (laughs) Yeah, but most of the analytic nerds, nerds, like, shoo off all the old-school people. I'm just a weird dude. Are the pitchers excited that, like, they don't have to do bunting drills anymore and stuff like that? (laughs) You know, they, that pretty much been killed, though, because, like, unless you had two National League cl- clubs playing, you, you just didn't have any pitchers hit in the minor leagues. And I think even then it was only, what, AAA? At that point, they tried to get the DH in so many scenarios. So, RP pitching, you know, butting drills. I should have cherished it more at last spring training. Who was the guy who got hit in the head, in the face with a bunt? AJ Burnett. Burnett, yeah. Oh God, that's right. That was a like was yeah, a hey, two days like, after being traded for. It was like the first, yeah. It was like his first like practice, yeah. and he's doing bunning drills. He gets drilled in the face with a foul <laughs> tip. As my first action as a pirate, I will give myself an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no more of that. No, no, we're gonna. Not going to have that. We're not going to have Adam Wainwright blow out his Achilles and maybe call him, cause himself or cost himself a Hall of Fame career. Ryan Vogel's song just take it That's one true it was. Cheek. Oh, it God. Was... I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. No so, sorry, managers. it just came to me. It was it was Wainwright who mentioned about if <laughs> if the if the CBA was exactly what it was today, they would probably accept it. Sorry, it just came to my head. I finally remembered the thing I talked about an hour and 15 minutes ago. Has anyone checked in on Madison Bumgarner yet about this DH thing? Yeah, I think he said something about it. Like, he was a little disappointed, but it is what it is type deal. Well, he's old now, so he's probably fine with it. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, but the other thing too, I'm really excited about is like no more really stupid double switches where like you take out the double switch and you put in a relief pitcher and then it's like the eighth inning and your cleanup, your your number four hitters up and you got a pinch hit with like your third string catcher. I'll tell you what, Clint Hurdle needs to make a comeback because this guy's going to be great as a manager in this new baseball where you don't actually have to manage. (laughs) (laughs) You just have to show up and keep the clubhouse loose. Yep. That's all he needs to do. And yeah, he was doing great things. It's always the good at. House at the end of 2019. It was, it was, it was really, it was really good, is, wasn't it? Well, that's why he took a little break. Now we'll reset. What was Joe Matt, Matt's excuse then? Also, another guy that made a couple really stupid decisions. Yeah, well, now he's in the AL. So what's his excuse? Uh, he put he coaches the Angels. <laughs> he chose that willingly. <laughs> His best pitcher is a hitter. Well, the money was pretty good, though, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so, Alex, I know last year you were trying all the different foods. And, uh, right, like every night you tried a different place or whatever. Any new cuisine down in Bradenton this year? Okay. So this is PDQ. It's going to yes. come out backwards because first cameras are a cruel mistress. This is the winner of the chicken sandwich battle that I guess ended, but it still goes on in my heart. I'm still fighting this chicken sandwich fast food battle. That That's the winner. PDQ. Nice. PDQ. Pretty sure. I think yes. Tim Tebow is part investor in that. He is? Yeah. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> That is Tim some information. Can, he can apparently make a better chicken sandwich than he is a baseball player. Or well, quarterback. Or football player. Or a quarterback. Or a tight end. He'll probably do a lot of things better. Tight end, quarterback, outfield. Is there any position that man can play? Good at everything, master at none. There's a second half to that saying. It's, I can't remember. Some Google it. And by that, I mean whoever's listening to it. It's like jack of all trades, master of none. But, you know, the jack of all trades is actually better because he'll always have work. And the guy with one specialty is a jag off. I don't know. It's something like that. I think you know what I'm saying. I think yeah. that was it. You nailed yeah. it. <laughs> now I need to Google it. That was it. There we go. Here's my epitaph. Nice. Well, you guys have anything else? If you uh, one one surprise, one surprise player that we haven't mentioned, that's just you, you. You saw something and was like, "Oh, I need to talk about that with somebody." If this guy says Mason Martin, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> so I'm really thinking Mason Martin might be a. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I keep thinking with Endy for this because Endy's not, you know, this unknown prospect, but I don't know. I'll go with Endy and pretend that it's, you know, last year and he's not, you know, the number seven prospect in the system. That works. So it's not Matt Frazier. I haven't seen Matt yet. He's, he's here. I just haven't seen him do much yet. It's only been a couple of days. That's fair. 
Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully by the time this gets released, um, you you can go back and see games and see practice. How long are you guys holding this? One day, as long as we need to. <laughs> uh, pretty much we're gonna go ahead and hold this until mason martin gets released and then strikes out 100 times in like three games and then we're gonna release it yeah, yeah. <laughs> make sure you look you bad go. it's got to confirm a few things first alex then we'll put it out there yeah but we're gonna chop out all the things you got right chandler starts like as soon as Bubba Chandler starts 10 games a shortstop and doesn't pitch. Yes. Yes. And Mason Martin has a 980 OPS for the athletics. He'll be like, we'll find a no for four day. We'll find a no for four. Let's put it this way. You'll be on a Jeopardy episode before this thing comes out. <laughs> <laughs> When am I going on Jeopardy? Am I, am I just Wygags now? And, and, and wait, because, I mean, with <laughs> Pittsburgh, like, baseball, media, blog, sphere, and stuff, are we talking about, like, NS9 Jeopardy or actual real Jeopardy? Because it could be both right oh, now. Oh. Okay. That's exactly. No, I, that, that's fair. I'm talking about NS9, but. Okay. But, I was actually, I didn't know which one you were talking about. <laughs> I, I, I forgot about the whole Wygags thing. <laughs> well anyways no this will be out thursday night right now people watching we're doing this on wednesday so this will be out thursday night at nine our ns9 live normal time show which means at the time this being that being out there's only one more day of cba negotiations till the weekend so i guess i'm gonna leave you with this if you were to take all of your in-flight wi-fi rations that dk gives you clearly right for your amas and bet it on something. Is baseball going to return by the end of Friday? Yes or no? No. Okay. We will we will be without a 162 game season this year. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my prediction. Wow. What a Debbie Downer. You see should invite you back again. I'm really great at parties. <laughs> and you should see me at funerals. <laughs> <laughs> Someone All right, by Cody Duncan instead. <laughs> In time. So, <laughs> all right, Alex. Well, I really appreciate you finally coming on and staying. Uh, it was a joy of having you. And for anyone that, for some reason, doesn't follow you, let them know. Yeah, it was fun to be on. Um, at Alex J. Stumpf and check out everything that I write or, on, or podcast about on DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, because the guy's got to eat. There you go. So when you get the new Belgium following, you're welcome. With or without the waffles. I, I can't think of anything else Belgium. I know nothing about the country. I'm going to get canceled there. Right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> they got good beer, too, like Belgian beer. Oh, God, I love Belgian beers. What's wrong with yeah. me? Yeah. Tyler does it. No, I do love a good Belgium. <laughs> Tyler, if it's not Bush Light, Tyler doesn't want it. No. Well, yes. So, again, thanks for coming on, Alex. We'll talk to you again sometime soon, hopefully with better news that there's baseball.
I guess I had to clarify that. <laughs> God, every time he comes on, we have bad news. Either Trevor Cahill or no baseball. <laughs> Trevor Cahill constitutes as bad news. <laughs> yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> See you guys. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>